What's up, y'all? This is Chelsea Ashford with Fave Babes Podcast. Welcome to episode two. Today we have Aaron Durham of History Boutique Films, award-winning filmmaker dedicated to telling authentic, beautiful stories about people. Today we discuss the adversity for women in the film industry, relationships both professional and personal, and her current exciting collaboration project in Canada with a handful of other creative entrepreneur women. Let's get it! Tell me about your fave, babe. You're my fave, babe. You're my, you're my fave, babe. Tell me about your fave, babe. Yes! Welcome to the second episode of Fave Babes Podcast. Today, we've got Erin Durham, director, editor, and oral historian of History Boutique Films. She is, she drove all the way down the mountain for us, so... <laughs> I'm super excited to have you here. Thanks. (laughs) I'm super excited to be here. Yay. I love Greenville. I know. I met Erin, I guess it was really recent. I met you maybe four or five months ago. Yeah. And I feel like your story of what you were doing here, which we'll get into, really aligns with this podcast. Oddly. It's super, super (laughs) cool. I love that though. It's like women entrepreneurs thinking about other women entrepreneurs and we're all kind of thinking about ways to collaborate with each other all at the same time. Absolutely. It's awesome. Absolutely. So you know what? Why don't we just dive into that? Okay. How about that? Yeah. So I met Erin in a coffee shop here um, in Greenville, South Carolina, in the West Village, where you know the big white house is. And we met in a coffee shop just hanging out. <laughs> and I had heard fr- heard about you from my friend Blair, who's actually on the first um, episode. Y'all go back and listen. <laughs> and... I met you in the coffee shop after she told me how cool you were and that she... (laughs) Thanks, Blair. (laughs) Love you, girl. (laughs) And she was like, you have to meet this girl, like film producer. Her name's Erin, and she's going to be in Greenville for a little while. Um, And you were down here doing a project. So tell us what the project was. Um, So I knew about a year ago I wanted to do some kind of travel show connecting cities that are important to me. Asheville, Charleston, Charlotte, and um, Greenville being the, the four kind of as a case study. And I tested out this idea of young people doing innovative things. Yeah. It didn't really have a premise beyond that. It was just, it was just really broad. And when I got to Greenville, it just became all about Greenville because everybody in Greenville just embraced me. They helped me. They were like Blair was sending me all of these different directions, one being to you. And it it was amazing. It was so collaborative and it just felt really nurtured here as a female entrepreneur. And then when I started looking for people to interview, the list kept growing and growing and growing into all women. It wasn't intentional. I really wasn't trying to exclude men. Sorry. Um. (laughs) Liam's across the table from it. (laughs) But, but no, there are just a lot of really strong, really kind women here. Mm -hmm. And this is a a theme I've been thinking about for about two years. um, This idea that um, being emotional is a power and having a very emotional woman running a company is actually a good thing. You don't take that away. You keep it going. That adds to your, your ability to make good decisions. And I talked to Blair about this, and that just really, really spoke to her because she thinks that that's how 
her magazine is successful is she uses her instinct and her intuition to make decisions. You know, I think that's how you guys met and yeah, through your photography. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just, I love that idea. And when I connected with a few people in Greenville who I'd never met before, these are all business related people, um, that it just felt like that, that should be the show. So now it's all about emotional entrepreneurs, women. That's so cool. You know, I'm a fan of that. Like that, that's a dream show, dream documentary. I, I have to agree with that. I think that the entrepreneurial, I mean, just all the entrepreneurial things that are going on right now are on the rise and men and women, I feel like for the first time in history, we know that there's an that you can be an entrepreneur. I mean, we have all of these different paths and all of these different careers that we can choose from that are um, standalone, or you can have a crew like you do. Yeah. Um, so being a woman and being in the film industry, this is mm-hmm. something I'm very interested in. Yeah. I know that it's definitely become more of it's been more popular, and there's been a lot of women who've entered into the, this mm-hmm. industry, but. Do you still find it hard to be in the film industry as a woman or do you think it's really equal? Definitely not even close to equal, but luckily there are so many of the, the male leads in my industry that are working to make it equal. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's been the big advantage in my world is these are artists. Filmmakers are artists and there are the, the pig headed guys that don't want me around. But for the most part, I'm surrounded by men who want to help me absolutely, and women who want to help me or want to learn from me. So Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of bad experiences where I show up to set and the sound guy starts to put a mic on me because he thinks I'm the talent. And I'm like, no, I hired you. I'm your director. (laughs) And then they glare at me like I'm you know, I'm just kind of the token person there. I'm like the set prop Mm. and it's really upsetting. It's happened this year. I mean, it happens all the time, but I have a pretty standard crew of about five guys that I use all the time. And then we fill in where we need fill-ins and those guys are so supportive of me and salt of the earth yes they're just amazing (laughs) and they acknowledge my worth and my director of photography Jan I mean he's twice my weight big German dude and he respects me he listens to what I say and if the crew doesn't he is the first person to be like that's your director you know and that oh it just feels so good to like (laughs) you know have that you know, he and I basically setting the tone, like this is a happy set. This is a respectful set. High vibes. Yeah. And it, and it, it's just been like that since we started working together. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, that brings me to probably where we should have started, but I love that (laughs) since I've known you, I feel like we've always like, we ride the same wavelength. We're on that wave. Um, and I love it. I freaking love it. You, you're in my boat, girl. Yes. And I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yes. I stole you. You're one of my people now. Yeah, we I talked about that earlier. I love it. I did. So the question I was going to start with, which I'm mm-hmm. glad we didn't even go there because I love that we could just got deep really quick. Um, tell us about how you got into film. Like mm-hmm. what inspired you to be in this industry? I've always loved film. Even when I was a little kid, I would memorize commercials, write them down, and practice in the mirror. It wasn't so much that I wanted to be an actor. I just loved fantasy. Oh, I love it. And I think I wasn't confident enough. I have a 
pretty severe learning disability, like very dyslexic, as dyslexic as it gets. So I think I didn't think I was intelligent enough to be behind the camera. It was weird. It was weird because I acted, I've acted for about 15 years now. And it wasn't until I was getting my master's in history and interning at PBS that one of the producers there was like, you're a nerd. Why are you in front of the camera? Like, you need to get behind here. And I was like, oh, no, no, I don't know how to do that. And he's the one who got me behind the lens. And then this, yet again, a group of men that said, no, you're one of us. Like, you're you're a nerdy techie girl. Like, you need to get behind the camera. So (laughs) to tech nerds. I'm I'm right there with you. I love it. Yeah. So... So they taught me everything. They taught me sound. And I mean, I started on the teleprompter and then I went to directing live TV. So all within a year. So it was uh, pretty life-changing. How many years ago was that? I, that was eight years ago. And I started my own company with their help about five years ago. Cool. And I've been full-time <laughs> in the industry ever since. So That's I've amazing. my first documentary uh, went worldwide won a ton of uh, won a ton of awards and ever since that moment it's just been project after project so I got really really lucky so what kind of filmmaking do you do <laughs> that's a big question it is a big question <laughs> I mean we were just talking about what's your niche like I love documentaries uh, I do documentaries that's my specialty I like to focus on inspiring people. Um, people are just, that's what I'm passionate about. I think people are amazing and so few stories actually get out into the world unless you're famous or a multi-billionaire, but there are so many stories that will just blow your mind and really inspire you to be your best self. So that's what I focus on is people. Um, but I really love sci-fi. I love romantic comedies. <laughs> I love romance so much. Girl, so. me too. Give me the notebook oh my God. day. The notebook, Matt. Did you hear that? <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Oh God. Oh God. I love it so much. So that's, I mean, my Speaking next Speaking of the notebook, <laughs> I feel like, um, I feel like I follow you and Matt. Matt is Aaron's boyfriend. I follow you guys on Instagram and I feel like I'm watching the notebook. Oh, <laughs> Like the modern day romance. Thank you. Yeah. It feels like I'm in the notebook. Literally, like there are moments where we just stop and cry and we're like, what is happening? Like, what is this situation? (laughs) Is it real? Are we just insane people? Like it it makes, it makes no sense. But I mean, it also helps. He's a professional photographer. I'm a cinematographer. So whenever we're together, we're like shooting professional. I love that. Just without trying, just shooting professional pictures. So it maybe is a little skewed. Do you feel like dating someone who's also visually stimulated by everything? Yeah. Um, do you feel like it's kind of like you put yourself almost in a movie? Yeah. Like, like that's because like, I feel like perception is reality, right? Mm-hmm. So if you see all the time, this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I feel like not that I'm anybody special, but sometimes I'm like, I feel kind of like life is a movie. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine dating someone that also kind of is in that in that uh, headspace. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, so we're just uh, up here on the mountain and uh, just hanging out in a movie. Yeah. Called Life. (laughs) We're like that. And he's the same as me when I'm really emotional, whether I'm sad or happy or in love or whatever. I I think about the soundtrack in my head. Music's so important to me. And 
And he's the same way. He's like, I'm really sad and I wanted to show you this. Or I'm really happy and I want to show you this. And it's always music. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a creator, somebody who like has to almost match picture with sound, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Even if it's your real life, it's like, I'm sad. I need a sad song, you know? Like <laughs> I love that because he gets me. A lot of people think that's weird and 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 I mean, that's how I've been since I was a little kid. Yeah. I don't think that's weird. Yay. I think that's life. Like, I feel like you... Same boat. Yeah. I feel like you... <laughs> um, definitely same boat. I feel like you... We always associate things that we know or we've heard or that we've seen with the experiences that we're going through. And that's the way that we communicate to people. And so whenever you hear something sad, I feel like it evokes that emotion in someone else and they're able to understand that emotion with you. Yeah. And so I think, I think that's perf- that perfectly makes sense to yeah. me. Yeah. It's way better than words because sometimes you're sad, but you're not like, I don't need to talk about it. Yeah. I just kind of want you to be in my space for a minute. Girl. <laughs> I get that. Like, be in my space. Shut your mouth. Yeah. We don't need just, to talk. Let's just feel together. <laughs> Is that weird or what? It's not. <laughs> so um, what makes a great film to you? Oh, man. I know you love documentaries, but like, have you ever done a documentary where you're like, wow, like this just blew my mind. I am now forever changed. Mm. Like what was yeah. that moment for you? I, I mean, I've had that in so many different films. I'm obsessed with Star Wars. So like any Star <laughs> Wars movie, I'm like, how did you do that? I just don't understand. Like I feel so many feelings right now. And, and it's all... It's fiction, but it's so emotional. Anything that can tie me to emotion. So yeah. with my movies, I know I'm on the right track when I'm really emotional, especially mm-hmm. when I cry. It's mm-hmm. like, okay. Like, honestly, when I was doing the Greenville thing and I really started to connect with women, I had that moment where I was like, this is the show. Mm. And I got so emotional about it. And it's it's the same thing. I just watched the um, Spielberg documentary, and I was blown away. Like, wow. I... I was so, I was watching it on a plane to Vancouver and I was so. Which we have to talk about. Yeah, Vancouver. <laughs> it, oh, I was just like, this guy, he just, he's, he is my role model. He is everything I want to be as a filmmaker, as a parent, as a spouse. Like, I just, I'm so connected to his story. And that was a documentary, but, but I was connected to how he creates, you know? So for me, I mean, the best movies are the ones that create emotion. So tell me why (laughs) I keep seeing that you're in Vancouver. Like, what in the world are you doing in Vancouver? First of all, I just want to say I'm slightly obsessed with Canada. (gasps) Me too. I didn't know how amazing it was. So amazing. I didn't get it. And then I went to Banff, Canada. Uh, Banff. Or Banff, Alberta. Yeah. And... I was just blown away by the landscape. It it is just breathtaking. Yeah. And all the natural parks or the yeah, the yeah. natural state parks yeah. and like the lakes yeah. that are just so blue. <laughs> you're like, is this real life? Why? Like it's it's gorgeous. I know. Canada's like I, I didn't know either. I got my uh the movie I'm working on right now. I've been working on a documentary, my biggest yet. Everything I've done. Are I've you done- allowed to talk about it? A little bit. You're actually okay. going to be the first person that's heard anything about it. So this okay. is huge. Okay. But it's um, up until now, every film I've made has been 
low budget. And when I say low budget, it's not like film school low budget, but pretty low budget. Yeah. This is like next level. Like we filmed in six countries, 12 states. What? For the past two years. High end, like the, some of the best artists in the world are in this movie. So wow. it it just changed the way I film, the way I create, the people that I needed to work with. Because, you know, the the little small crew I had just doesn't work for a project this big. So I had to partner with another producer, a woman, a Canadian. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> we met at a film festival in Green Cayman, and I was like, you're my person. Oh, man. And I showed her the teaser, and she was like, I'm in. So we, she partnered with me, and now all of post-production is in Vancouver. So anytime I have to go work on animation or edits or the score, it's all done in Vancouver. So, wow. and it's almost all women. So that's amazing. That's been wonderful. Wait, can we just back up? Did you say <laughs> animation? So yes. like I, I'm obviously interviewing you because I want to know all about <laughs> your face, but like, <laughs> what? wait, so you know how to do animation? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm an what? editor, so I, I love After Effects. I love pretty much anything Adobe. What, what is an editor in your role mm-hmm. do? What do you encounter? So I think most documentary filmmakers, you have to edit because that's how you tell the story. It's how you write it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I started. Most directors hate editing. I love it. I'm addicted to it. It's like always going to be a part of my career. Um, animation, I learned how to do it only because I couldn't afford one 10 years ago. So I was like, I have to learn After Effects. I have to Google how to create fog. And I spend two weeks learning how to build fog. And that's the coolest thing ever. So you can build fog after <laughs> you yep. you film it. Yeah. You can stick it in there mm-hmm. like it was there. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. It's real fun. So tell me a little bit more about like Vancouver. So you were in Vancouver. or mm-hmm. You've been there like a bajillion times. Yeah. I was supposed to go to Vancouver. I know. I'm so sad. That would have been fun. I know. For my 30th birthday, we were going to do Vancouver, and then we were going to go travel around the PNW, which I've never been. I've been to California, but PNW gets me, like, real excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. missing out. But we'll, we will... I'll go yeah. sooner than later. But, like, so yeah. when you're in Vancouver... What are you, what is this documentary you're working on? Mm. I mean, you can't if you can't tell us everything. Just, I can't tell everything, but mm-hmm. I can say this because I've heard enough people in the project mention it. But it's the first time I am going to say it out loud. Oh my god! So I'm okay, so excited right now. Okay, um, it is a documentary about the pretty secretive high end side of taxidermy. What? Yep. It's like, what? (laughs) Because when I started this project, I was like, I'm a vegetarian. I love animals. That's disgusting. And I was like, I don't want to do this. And then I researched it and I freaked out. And then I met taxidermists. Like the ones that are in the movie are young, really cool artists that basically were graphic designers and their shit was just getting thrown in the cloud and never getting seen by people. And they wanted to do something tactile. So now these people are in Gucci ads and in, you know, you know, Vogue and like, you know, the best magazines in the world with their art. So, and it's all taxidermy based. It's all taxidermy. So when you say that, like, are they (laughs) holding like a, like a head and being high end, like in fashion with the taxidermy head or are, is it on the walls in the set? 
So does that make sense? It's okay. As Southerners, mm-hmm. you and because this is what I came in with. I'm thinking deer head on the wall. Okay, but it's not that. It's not that. <laughs> it's um. So picture Natural History Museum. Mm. So American Museum of Natural History in New York, Los Angeles Natural History Museum. All of the dioramas with the animals, where they're basically just trying to capture. Uh, it's like a time capsule, like showing you what Africa looked like in 1920. Africa. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, it's, so it's those people. It's like the highest level. And these people are, they just blow my mind because they're, they have to know biology and chemistry. They have to know science on a, on a level, like a PhD level. But they also have to know how to paint sculpt clay because that's what goes underneath it. All of this stuff on a PhD level for an artist. So there are very few people in the world that have Who both knew? sides of the brain that can do this work on that level. Plenty of people can stuff a deer head and put it on the wall. This is not that. This is like these are mad scientists that have an artist's mind, you know? This is very intriguing to me. It's insane. I mean, it's been the two years of my life. I would not have dedicated two years of my life. I would have bowed out after a year and been like, let's just, you know, cut it and we're done. But it's a story that hasn't been told ever. So it's like, and it's just, as a filmmaker, it's also absolutely stunning. So Are most of these people in Vancouver? or no, is it all over the, the world. But the person you're like co-producing with is in Vancouver. Uh-huh. Cool. Are you allowed to say your name? Um, not yet. I don't know. Not yet. Maybe not. Okay. I'm not sure. We'll I'm not keep sure it on the DL for now. Yeah. You can tell But it's later. all, I mean, we only have two <laughs> investors. They're both women. And, uh. Look at you just fit in the mold of my podcast. Like, check, all check, women. check, check, Women. <laughs> and three executive producers, and they're all women, including myself. And, uh, the editor is a woman. I ended up having to bow out of the edit for this one because I was too close. These people are my friends now. And I was editing and I was like, just making it weird. And I was like, I don't want to cut this person because they're so great and blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And the producers are like, girl, what are you doing? Like, you need help. So I got a, this amazing editor in Vancouver that's, she's done a ton of documentary features. So we're doing it together. And, and that's been another like learning curve, how to let go, you know, mm-hmm. and collaborate rather than do everything yourself. Cause that's something women have a hard time doing. Girl, you better preach. <laughs> I am right there with you. Like I cannot, I feel like I have, well, first of all, I am part my father, which he's an entrepreneur. Um, so I thank you dad for that, Aww. but <laughs> shout out. He looks like Bob Saget. It's not a big deal. Cute. (laughs) Hey, Dad. (laughs) Second of all, sorry, Dad. He's gonna he's gonna hate me for that. (laughs) Second of all, um, I am definitely my mother's child too because she is hardcore. Like I wouldn't say helicopter mom, but like Mm -hmm. holds on pretty tight. Um, and she likes to be involved in all the aspects. And I do find that like. I have that as well. So yeah. letting go as an entrepreneur yeah. of like little tiny things, even just like editing, mm-hmm. which isn't tiny. That's not, that's, that's a silly way to put it, but something that I know could benefit my time frame yeah. and like my turnaround time. It took me years to be able to accept that. Yeah. It took me years to, to be able to let go of uh, my taxes. Yeah. Like, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for doing Delegate. it. Delegate. You know? Yeah. 
It's real hard. So how do you, how, how, when did you know that it was time to like let go of some of the bigger things, smaller things? Um, it was two years ago when I started this project. I almost didn't have a job. I almost had to go bankrupt for my company. Wow. I had three films come out at the same time. I was a, I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. It was a very, very hard time in my life. This was two years ago. And I just didn't have plans for my next project. I had all these emails of people saying they wanted to collaborate, they wanted to do this, they wanted to invest, blah, blah, blah. But I hadn't followed through with any of those things because I was editing the movie, mixing the sound for, yeah. the, for the score, all the stuff that I should not have been doing. I should have been delegating that to crew. And, and I could have afforded it. I, just, I was just thinking small. So thank God I got this project and, and was able to partner with someone that jumped on it immediately. And, and I, that believed in it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instantly. Overnight, we had an LLC. We were ready and we were filming a month later. So that was luck. That was stupid. I should not have done that. I should have been planning for months in preparation for you're about to have three films come out. Now what? Yeah. And so that was a, that was just so lucky and it was a quick lesson. You delegate. So when my producers mentioned, maybe you should get an editor for this. I was like, yes, because that allowed me to do Greenville. And wow. now I have a new project yeah. and this project's not even done yet. So I'm working multiple and a narrative feature. So it's, I, so you're working three projects right now. Yeah. 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 How in the world do you delegate your time? <laughs> oh my gosh. Because you're a mommy. I'm a mommy. Oh. I'm a mom. Your kids are so cute. I, I sound Thank like you. such a stalker, but really like <laughs> I just love, well, okay, now this, this makes yeah. me sound even worse. I love kids. Yeah. But I can say that. That doesn't right? make you sound like, bad. It makes you sound amazing. <laughs> People who don't love so kids confuse me because yeah. I was just at Village Grind across the street having a coffee and there was this little nine month old little boy decked out. He looks so freaking cute. Mm -hmm. His mom was like decked out too. She's wearing like a hoodie. Mm -hmm. And I was like, who is this person? And I just stared at them. I feel like we have a lot of local celebrities here in Greenville. <laughs> Seriously. Like oh, there's man. a lot of women who are entrepreneurs, you yeah. know, yeah. who dress to the nines and their kids look like Stunna. Yeah. So this girl was out. dressed like real chill, <laughs> but like perfect Aww. like hoodie kid was wearing a hoodie and this like dope cap and I was like what is this kid like <laughs> and everybody in the coffee shop was just like thank you thank you for bringing this baby into our lives today because <laughs> it just so yeah you should love kids like I, I loved them before I had them and I've said this a bunch of times on Instagram but I think being a mom, I was really scared that that would mean I would have to give up a career or my career would have to be second. And in some ways it is, but for the most part, it's made me a better filmmaker because I have half the time to do twice the work now. Y'all better put that in a quote. Okay. Aaron just made a baby quote. <laughs> it's true though. It's, it's, um, I got really offended because somebody, it was a huge producer, one of the biggest people in my industry. I met him at a film festival. He got, he was a very kind, very kind man, but he was just really confused about two things. Why do I live in Asheville and not LA? I'm not inspired in LA, real simple. Mm -hmm. End of story. And how are you going to be a mom and be a filmmaker? You really need to have a full-time nanny. And I said, I don't want a full-time nanny. I want to be a mom and I want to be an entrepreneur. And 
so far I've been doing it for seven years. So I think it's not perfect. I always feel like I'm doing, I'm not doing enough as a mom. I'm not doing enough as an entrepreneur, but I think that just, that's normal. Okay. That brings me to balance. Okay. (laughs) I have such an opinion on balance because I feel like we chase it Mm -hmm. as human beings. Like we want to be like yin and yang in our bodies and we want to like have this balance, but I just don't think that it actually exists. I'm going to be honest. Like yeah. I know there's so many people who are going to be like, nah, man, like balance is like real. But like truthfully, if you think about, if you just think about our lives in general, we're constantly on this roller coaster where some weeks we're like, I totally killed it. Mm-hmm. And then the next week you're like, what happened? Like I thought <laughs> I was killing it. And then I really just, just bombed. Yeah. Like, so what do you think about balance? Do you do you think that it exists and how do you achieve it? I mean, I think you're right because there are definitely weeks where my career is and has to be the first thing. Yes. And that's not because my kids don't matter. It's because my kids have to eat. Yeah, girl. So, mm-hmm. And sometimes... And so does mom. Right. Mama, <laughs> mama needs to go shopping. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to be a cliche, but I like clothes. So... I mean, who doesn't? I mean, right? Okay. Like your outfit, by the way. Thanks, girl. <laughs> I was channeling Zoe Deschanel today. Oh, my God. I love Zoe Deschanel. Look at my, look at my little... She's got... Oh, she, you have a Zoe vibe today. You for sure do. Thank you. And she's amazing. Yeah. Thank yet another so amazing filmmaker. Because she's she writes, she directs, she's doing a documentary right now. She's... I can't cuss. She's amazing. You can cuss. She's fucking amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I love Zoe. Anyways. We're all hey, adults Zoe. here. Um, hang out with me. Um, um, yeah, but I think like, I think it's just important to set priorities. I have a business advisor, a business, he's actually a business therapist. Cool. And I need his number. He's amazing. He gave me the best advice and he said, this works for your personal life too. He said, you choose three things. And those three things are deal are if they don't exist in the, in the person you're about to do business with. It's a deal breaker. And he said, so you're about to meet a producer. You're about to meet someone who wants to buy your film. Or you're about to meet a writer you're going to hire. What are your three things they have to have? And he said, I know your three things. And I was like, I don't know my three things. And he was like, yeah, you do. Yes, you do. Reach deep down yes. and think about it. Yeah. yeah. And as soon as I thought of them, he said, now think about think about the people you've worked with. Do they all meet that? And I'm like, yeah, they actually do. I have a really good, I think, mind or eye for finding people to work with personally not so much so he said now think of all the people you've dated do they match these three things oh man the checklist man not one did not one person (laughs) did and I was like oh my god and he was like yes so you're actually doing pretty great finding people to work with you just need to find people who help you in your personal life not just boyfriends but friends yeah are these people bringing you down professionally or are they inspiring you Yes. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I figured out that, I mean, just, just to name one of them, the most important thing to me is kindness. Mm. If you're not a kind person, I don't want to work with you. I certainly don't want to date you. So yeah. Bye Felicia. Bye Felicia. You ain't (laughs) kind. Bye Felicia. So, so yeah, that was, um, real, like you said, like getting back to basics, but it's, it's the basic things that I think take you to the next level professionally. 
Absolutely. Finding those people that are on the same wavelength and like being able to work with them, it makes it, it makes it just feel more natural and authentic Mm -hmm. and organic. Yeah. So I imagine that's like a huge part of like your everyday life. It's like, who are these people that I can Mm -hmm. actually stand, uh, not stand to be around, but like, uh, work with for months Mm -hmm. on a project. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I, I, it was hard because the people I work with are so incredible and they're so supportive, so creative. These guys, my main crew, and now these female producers in Canada, it's hard. I come back home and I need my personal life to match that mm. or it just is depressing yeah. because I'm like, these people, they're not, they're not famous. It's not, I'm with famous people and I go home and I'm not. These, these They're just really good people. Mm-hmm. So I've worked really hard for the past three years to to make the people in my life really matter. Mm. And I just choose like five or six people that I'm going to invest a lot of time into and make sure they're okay every day and just, you know, nurture them and love them. One of them messaged me today and said she loves you because you Ah! posted Kara, Kara Candler. She has uh, owns TikTok concierge. Oh girl. I met her. (laughs) I met her on the top of a mountaintop. Really? I sure did. Oh my God. Sure did. I think it was Black Blossom Knob in, um, of course it was. We've been up there. She's an amazing female entrepreneur and we've collaborated a lot and she saw I was meeting with you today and she was like, love you too, Kara. Oh God. Yeah. She That's super sweet. Yeah. Isn't that crazy though? Like, yeah. okay, this brings me to something a little like, uh, I don't know, philosophical. Like <laughs> I feel like sometimes we meet our lifetime friends or mm-hmm. people that we admire or like people who inspire us or motivate us either when we're not even, we're not even thinking about meeting them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is like the coolest surprise of life. Yeah. It's like being able to just walk into a coffee shop yeah. and meet Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. Or, I was like, who's this cute girl talking to me? You were so cute. I was like, oh, and then you were sweet. And I was like, oh my God, can we be friends, please? Women should be nice to women. They always. I mean, yeah. That's, I think that's a trend in Greenville, especially. I agree. That's Greenville why I live like, here. Honestly, killing it for like yeah, interpersonal agree. communication. You guys are doing great. Everybody is so collaborative here. Yeah. It's insane. There's no competition. It doesn't feel competitive at all. It's just like, how do we help? How do we get this? Like, cause, I mean, I don't know. I agree. We have the world. We don't have Greenville. We have the whole world to get clients, get brands, get films, whatever you need. We can appreciate and know all of, even like the personal things that we go through as just being a female. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to, you know, honor that and respect that and, and to look at each other, not as competition, but as like a a confidant, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Okay. Really quick. So tell me about um, your favorite film you've ever made, like your favorite documentary Mm -hmm. that you've ever made. It's definitely the one I'm making now. But since I can't talk a ton about that, the okay. one that I, the first movie I ever made was really? on Street Performers. And it's a documentary feature. I got to go all over the world with it. I think it won five or six Best Documentary Awards. Wow. And then it sold worldwide. So it's, wow. it, it, it was a no budget, like no budget. I did almost every job myself, but... I, I did a documentary about street performers, which doesn't exist. So 
I spent three months with a newborn on the street, getting to know these people, convincing them I wasn't the man and I wasn't going to like, you know, take advantage of them, that I was genuinely interested in them. And and now I have friends from that group of people. That's so so cool. I secretly want to be a dancer, by the way. Like, yeah, I want to be a hip like hop a street, dancer. Ooh, street dancer. Yeah. Like I want to bust have you so know much fun. people that you like see. And this is yeah. probably who you're talking about. But yeah. Like you'll be traveling to like New York or Chicago or whatever. And, and then they're like, Hey, 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 yeah, and yeah, everybody's yeah. like around yeah. you. And you're like, there's Ooh. so many high vibes mm-hmm. and they can move. And I'm like, yeah. that's, that's my spirit animal. If yeah. I could be anyone, I would be like. I'd be a, I'd be a hip hop dancer. So Aww, shout are, out. Yeah. <laughs> they they're really they're the some some of the coolest people I've ever met and in such a tight knit group. Like I went to Manchester for the festival there in England and I just went to street performers and handed them like a free ticket and said, "Come, I want you to whatever." And then everybody in every city I did that to, I met all these new people because there is this just very tight knit community. So that movie started my career. It kind of put me on the map for allowing investors to see that I could do a return on investment, that I knew how to complete a project within a year. All of these things are really unique to filmmakers because anybody can make a movie, but you have to put it on the market. You have to sell it. You have to do it in a time-efficient manner. So that's what I proved with my first movie, but I also made a ton of friends. I learned how to be a better mom. Multiple of those women on the street are moms. And I'm like, how the heck did you do that? I also did it with a child on my chest. So that is a memory I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Wow. And so in your kid that was on your chest would be like, what up, mom? You're cool. Oh, yeah. How did you do all of that? Yeah. Oh, my seven-year-old still, because she's in the movie. She's in every movie. But she's in the movie as a four-year-old dancing. And on the street. She got moves. She's so cute. <laughs> oh, my God. I put her in the trailer because I was like, I don't care that you're my kid. This is amazing. So, Aww. so yeah, I um, I don't know. I just, speaking of balance, found balance, found my career, found my, like, voice, I think, in that movie. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, when you are inspirationally drained when you find inspiration waning when do you like when do you feel creatively sapped or and what do you do to spark that creative creativity I have like two things I do one is know when to give up because I now now that I have kids that aren't babies that require a lot of emotional attention I have to talk to them I can't I don't just have to change their diapers we have to have conversations about school and stuff like that when I've done that for a few hours straight I can't jump into an edit I just my head isn't there and I learned over time don't try just do it tomorrow morning so that's been the biggest thing for me lately but my how I start any creative day is with hiking and and that that started now it's about three years ago but I legit hike at least four times a week where I get on top of a mountain. And if it means I don't sleep or I sleep three hours instead of seven, that's what it means. Because I really, as a mom, I just have a very hard time detaching from the world of take care of my house, do my laundry, take care of my kids to now you have to go make a, a huge budget film or rewrite a script for a client that's due in four hours. I know I can write it in an hour if I hike for three. 
If I don't hike, it might take two days to write that same script. So you're saying that like hiking is kind of like meditation and Absolutely. You like you find your, your chi or your focus yeah. whenever you're hiking and you're able to regain that creative energy. Yeah. And you and then when you get home, you're like, boom, like yeah. I can knock it out. Yeah. And That's I usually cool. write the script or write the edit in my head while I'm direct while I'm hiking. So what can you tell me? When you know when to walk away from a documentary. Like, when do you know that you're finished and you're like, all right, this is it. That's a wrap. Because I feel like that would be so difficult. It is difficult. I mean, we're kind of going through that right now. But you know, like, we've gone through the movie I'm working on right now is done. It's just we're re-editing and re-editing and re-editing. And you just know with docs, you cut them real long. And then you just start to chop away. Like, when do, when do I start to look around and get bored? Cut. Like, you need to cut. You need to keep cutting every time you get that feeling because you're emotionally attached to the footage. Viewers aren't. So viewers are going to get bored way sooner than you are. Yeah. So if you're bored, you better just keep cutting. Bye. So <laughs> the yeah. second boredom goes away, I know I'm almost there. And then for me, it's kind of like what I said before. It's, it's when I cry because people are my people are my passion so in a documentary when I'm finishing it when I start to cry that means the people on camera not my work the people on camera are shining and I'm able to detach from this is my work and it's their world when that feeling happens I'm done and I don't touch it ever again I mean I'll tweak the color maybe change a song yeah (laughs) but the narrative is done so That um, hasn't happened yet for this current project, but I think we're honestly only a few weeks away. Are you going to miss Vancouver? Oh, I'm going back. Okay. I mean, these people are too good to not work with again. So I'll I'll make a trip with you. Yeah. I'm serious. The next one's a rom-com on a mountain. Oh, my God. I'll just, I'll come hold your lighting equipment. (laughs) I will come wipe the sweat from your brow. Well, that one I was like, (laughs) um, we don't have to shoot in North Carolina. We could definitely shoot that in van. And they were like, they're like, okay. So yeah, I, I would actually prefer the next couple shoots to be in Vancouver because it's like Greenville. It's a very nurturing, creative world. It's not competitive. It's sweet. I cannot wait to go figure out what this place, this magical place is. It's great. They'll embrace you. They really will. uh, Yeah. So excited. Yeah. Can you um, rattle off some of your favorite women-inspired producers or or even just actresses? Mm-hmm. Do, actually, people say actors now, right? Like that's, I don't know. I don't know. I read, <laughs> I read somewhere where it's like, don't call me an actress. I'm don't an call actor me an now. actress. Which is cool. I'm down with that. Yeah. So like, can you name some female actors, some um, female producers or writers? Anybody yeah. that inspired you to be where you're at? Or or was it something that you woke up and you're like, this is what I want to do? Um, I mean, the two kind of, two of the, the big, like younger, like not Spielberg, not that level. I mean, he's definitely my favorite director. Yeah. Um, but the, the two, and George Lucas, obviously, because I like Star Wars, but Spielberg is more like my person, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah, Sophia Coppola, she's definitely top of the list. And this isn't a hugely popular movie, but Marie Antoinette, the first Mm. time I saw that movie, I was like, what is this? Like, it looks like art. It was crazy. Gorgeous. Yeah. Crazy. And, and then I realized like, you know, I 
think, was it Betsy Johnson that did the, like, all of the costuming for her? And just how much work went into the beauty side of it, the feminine side of that project. And she was the first person, I think, that made me realize, because she's not a, a necessarily, like, hyper-feminine director, but she likes to present a lot of her work like that. And that's been something that I have put my brand, like, on point, saying I am a female director with a feminine point of view yeah yes like everything I do ends up having a flower on it somewhere like put a bird on it it's like put a flower (laughs) on it like Aaron's got to put a flower on it and make it pretty and colorful and it drives people nuts who are filming with me because they're like Aaron likes symmetry and she likes color and I'm like yeah because that's pretty duh Duh. so yeah you like what you like yeah it makes you unique She's great. Lena Dunham, obviously, because she's like <sighs> my heart. Like She's amazing. She's the person, one of the first people on Instagram that I followed that talked so heavily about depression mm-hmm. and about being in pain all the time. She has really mm-hmm. bad endometriosis. So do I. So do I. Girl. Oh, my God. We can talk about all that later. Oh, God. We could rat- I could go on and on. And like. I love that she said that, and she still talks about it. She just posted her surgery pictures. I know, which and, is, I mean, I mean, it's incredible and inspiring, and also extremely scary to people who don't understand. Yeah, it. yeah. And I mean, I've had that surgery, and I was so hidden about it, and didn't want people to know. And and I, I just, I don't know. I love yet again this like connection women have to emotions and using it as power to create companies, not to create a painting to create companies like that's amazing it is amazing and that just brought me to another question in my head like how is it to be someone who's in film and just constantly like I guess recording life right Mm -hmm. and now to be able like there's beauty in that Mm -hmm. but now there's like this whole platform of being able to connect with so many people Mm -hmm. all the time and record and share and communicate life. Like mm-hmm. all of the life events, all the milestones, all of the ups and the downs. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like as women, we are we can be very secretive mm-hmm. because we're emotional. And we're we, told to be secretive. Yeah. Right. And you don't want to constantly share everything because you don't want to be looked at as mm-hmm. like, oh, well, she doesn't have it all together. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, she's emotionally unstable. Mm-hmm. And you're like... Bitch, no. Okay, it's called hormones. Yeah, yeah. Get, get in my hormone level. Yeah. And you'll understand. Yeah. So, like, how is it now that you're able to share all this stuff and it's, like, socially acceptable mm-hmm. and you're making beautiful work? Like, I think that's so cool. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's like, God, I, I think I was so scared the first time I put out there that I was having a bad day. Mm-hmm. And it was so simple. It wasn't devastating. Yeah. I just... I'm the happy person Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm like smiling all the time and doing stuff. And that's me 99% of the time. Right. But sometimes I'm not happy. No. And I think it's really one of the the girls on set once an actress, this is like a couple years ago. She said like, I wish you would post every now and then just post a sad day because you would give people like me who have more sad days than not hope because it would show that someone like you, someone so happy has those days where you're just devastated. Mm-hmm. And I remember I shared I shared it the day before I met Kara on TikTok. Oh, yeah. We had been talking about meeting for years, and finally we had a, had a glass of wine, and I just posted that I was very depressed, that mm-hmm. I had had a really a 
been dumped and it just was really sad. Yeah. And I wasn't really ready to talk about it in person with anybody, but she had read the Instagram post and she brought it up and I was like, uh, and it was this very vulnerable moment in a somewhat business setting. We were talking about work, you know, you like just shook hands and she's like, so tell me about your ovaries. I know. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Kara. I don't. And, and But it was amazing because she gave me the best advice. And the next day I got on a plane to Vancouver for the first time and I had a little bit of an emotional outburst in a meeting where I was really sad and I just got really overwhelmed. And instead of hiding it, I was, I just felt safe. I knew those people in that room would be okay. And I just said, I'm really sorry, but I'm going through a breakup. And this is just, this has been a really hard day. And the girl in front of me started crying and she Mm -hmm. said, I'm going through a breakup right now. And my dad just died. And I was like, what? And then we spent 20 minutes, maybe even 15, just talking about our personal lives. And then it was over. And then we went straight into all these creative decisions we had to make. And how did we do that? Like we did that because we were vulnerable. Mm -hmm. We accepted our emotions and we moved with them rather than just shutting them off, you know? Right. It's like you become, you become more human and you're in this human experience and you become relatable. Yeah. And so that makes everybody feel closer. I mean, why do you feel close to a therapist? Because they listen to everything that you're going through, you know, it's like, it's, it's really breaking down those barriers and being able to like open up to someone else. And that is creative to me. Yeah. So that's really cool. That felt really good. And that was, that was the premise of the show actually coming full circle. The Greenville show was, I wrote an article about that story saying I used my emotional kind of personal devastation to my benefit in a business meeting. That's so cool. And I got the job. Good for you, girl. I mean, that's that is like a, a full circle success story. Right. So I now love but that. I'm I'm hearing it come from you. I'm hearing it come from Blair. Yeah. From Lindsay at Village Grind. Like I've heard it over and over and over again. So it's not just me. It's just we're all learning at the same time. Do you think that I think I talked in my last episode about um this like self-care movement, this self-love movement of mm-hmm. like where we're all um, starting to realize that that is so important so and important. so important. But do you think that now, like, well, not think, I think we all can agree that like mental health has finally come to this, mm-hmm. um, this, uh, I mean, it, it, it's a wave, it's a yeah. movement of like, Hey, this cannot be ignored anymore. And, yeah. um, and I think the more we recognize this, the more we recognize that people are, they do go through depression. They do yeah. go through anxiety that we're able to, get over this, like, and especially on the rise with, with cell or social media. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Like at first I felt like social media was this like Barbie doll world. Yeah. And now it's like, we've got the Lena Dunham's in the world who are like, no, like it's not all freaking rainbows and cupcakes. Like (laughs) here I am like on my bed. I just had a hysterectomy. Like that's a huge thing to share with someone. Yeah. And I, and I think it's so important because we all share this experience as mm-hmm. human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> uh, it just may, yeah, it just makes me so happy because it's almost like you're told your whole life in the South as a woman, especially in your early thirties, late twenties, like you're still from that era where you're told to act a certain way mm-hmm. and to be masculine is to be respected. 
And this is the first, I feel like the first time in my life I've been able to be feminine, emotional, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. and still be respected and be the boss. Just like Instagram looks somewhat like a Barbie life, so does work. So does like a work office. Like it looks like everyone's just putting their game face on and like we shouldn't do that. We want to all be friends. Right. I want to know what's going on in your life. Yeah. Your shitty day might make my shitty day like a little bit better. (laughs) A little less shitty. (laughs) Because it's like, oh my God, me too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm good. Right. It's not devastating. The world doesn't revolve around me. A bunch of stuff just happened to this chick and a bunch of really great stuff just happened to my mom. Like it's, you just get out of your own head. 100%. When you feel like you're not alone, you can move forward and you can live in this thing we call life. Yeah. So it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, last question I have for you. Yeah. Is it harder for you to get started on a documentary or keep it going? Hmm. I think I'm probably different. I, when I start something, I don't stop. I don't have projects that like started and didn't end. I have projects that go on pause for a couple of months, but they always get finished. For me, I am very hesitant to start a project I don't think I can finish because that is, in a sense, that's my my brand is I'm this person that has been able to start a movie and finish it and bring it to market very, very quickly. So if I lose that niche market, that that thing that makes me a little bit different as an indie filmmaker, I'm kind of losing who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a creative world of filmmaking and making it very business-minded. Because yeah. I want my investors and people who believe in me to, to feel really safe. So I will not start a project that I'm not going to finish. That's why... My crew, when I started this Greenville thing, they jumped. They were immediately like, when are we doing it? When can we start? We're going to get a whole bunch of crazy gear. We had the freaking, oh man, I can't even talk about it. All this crazy stuff where we were like following me in the car and like, I don't know. It was really, really beautiful. We couldn't afford a techno crane, but other than that, we had some really (laughs) sick gear. So that all happened because my crew knows that if I start something, if we go to film something, it's going somewhere so that's like yeah for me I might sometimes need to push myself a little further to start things that maybe won't go anywhere because there's there's validity in that logic too I just haven't that's not my personality yeah (laughs) you like to start it and finish it yes yeah or I'm like uh (laughs) that's like the sentence isn't finished yeah come on yeah can you tell everybody where to find your work? Like, where can we find your films? Who, who, what, what awards have you won? Mm-hmm. Can I say that again? What awards have you won? <laughs> say that five times fast. Yeah. Where can we find you? Um, your work. Kind of all over the place. The documentary I just finished, Julian Price, went, uh, another one that went around the world and it just sold to a distributor. We don't know what platform it's going to be on yet, yet, but something like Netflix. My first documentary feature, it's a street art uh, feature, so it went to Red Bull. Um, oh. It's on Red Bull TV. It's been on that for the past two years. That movie won Best Documentary, Best Director, Best Editor, Best Soundtrack. Wow. Um, That's amazing. Best first work multiple times 
and all over the world. Manchester, Grand Cayman. It premiered at Nashville Film Festival, which is in the top 10 in the world. So you better get it. That one was really fun. (laughs) I did not deserve to be in Nashville. They just thought it was really cool. But they were like, you know you're our underdog, right? And I'm like, yep. And I didn't win anything. And I was like, I don't care. I got in. Thank you. Like, you know. Appreciate it, but preach. Yeah, but like there are smaller film festivals that really liked it and, and gave me some sweet awards. That filmmakers kind of live on that. That's our yeah. like how we prove that we've done a good job. Yeah, it's so stupid, but it's the truth. It's almost like Instagram followers. It's Absolutely. like I want this and this and this. So yeah, let me work more. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah. So the next movie, it's a big film, so it's gonna get it's gonna get a real release. I'm so. excited to see what you have up your sleeve. Real we, soon. We know, we know, Real like soon. the topic, but I can't wait to like know who the co-producer is and know um, who all of these like artists. They're amazing. Yeah, they're I, really they're my friends now, and they're really they're from all over the world. Very, very different people. And it's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a lifestyle that you mm-hmm. don't hear about. No, no, not at all. And I I was so ignorant to it. And the the whole thing I wanted to do was. I wanted to sh- I wanted to make a documentary about the environment and about animals and protecting it, mm-hmm. but everyone I've seen is so devastating and depressing, and it makes me really sad. So when I came across this subject, I realized this could be an avenue for talking about the environment and saving animals, but through the through the vehicle of taxidermy, which is insane. It makes no sense through through time capsule. It's like crazy. You said earlier, yeah. Like you're like it's almost like photography like where you're like yeah freezing a moment yes, in time absolutely absolutely but, but it's through this art form yeah That's it's crazy cool. even my dad was like oh I didn't know that like he watched it last week and was I didn't tell him it was a movie about the environment he just knew it was about taxidermy and he was like there's so many live animals like we have we're filming lions and like tigers and bears, bears. Oh my. genuinely bear <laughs> like everything live yeah that are that are being preserved and um I don't know he I was just really exciting to see his face go oh I didn't know like we get to see lions walking at night with their babies and like mm, that (laughs) that was amazing you know this is so cool thank you so much for coming on the show thank you this is Aaron Durham with History Boutique Films and um we'll we'll be coming at you real soon so coming at you Three faves. It's time for three faves. Yeah. Yo, so now we're in our last segment of the three faves. Erin, what are your three faves? Your favorite babe, your favorite book, and your favorite beat? It doesn't have to be of all time, but just who's inspiring you right now? Uh, Right now, this kind of speaks to what we said. So my favorite babe is Steven Spielberg (laughs) because he is a babe. He's a babe. And his documentary, he just poured his heart out and really showed the world who he is as a person, not just a director. So that was really awesome. Uh, My favorite book right now is Emotional Intelligence 2.0, which sadly I haven't read up until now. And considering I'm so obsessed with emotions being a part of my entrepreneurship I should have read it a long time ago. Girl, you better send me that. Oh, emotional intelligence. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and then music right now, Japanese House. The song's still, I like, I've been listening to it for like two months straight. It's On just, repeat? 
On repeat. Like pumping them jams. Ooh, yeah, still. Oh, and rearrange is really good, too. Ooh, I cannot yeah. wait to look those up. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't heard of any of that. Ooh, yeah. You'll Which like is it. why we do You'll this, like because we want to <laughs> share with people new material yeah. of all the things that are inspiring and creative. Um, okay, so my three favorites right now. My favorite book is Open Wide. Um, author is Melissa Ambrosini. I think that's how you say your name. And if I'm wrong, then I apologize a hundred times over. Um, but it is a book about love, relationships, and sex. Who doesn't like to talk about that? Um, and one of the things that she talks about in the book is like the four seasons of being a woman in your period, which I think is so fun to talk about. That's so like, dope. Right. So like you're ta- she talks about like winter, fall, summer, spring, like of of your month. <gasps> oh, it's so good. I'll send it to you. What? Yeah. I have to Is say this making you uncomfortable. I can't tell. She no <laughs> <laughs> Liam's over there like, okay, next. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um and then uh, my favorite babe, I would say since we were talking about Canadian mm-hmm. uh Lovely people. I would have to say Feist. She's American-Canadian. She's an indie pop singer and guitarist. She's also a part of one of our favorite freaking groups, Broken Broken Social Social Scene. Scene. What the heck even? So good. She's amazing. Feist, if you don't know her, look her up. She's cool. AF. And then last but not least, um, favorite babe. I am. Uh, I have a huge girl crush on Lena Dunham. And is me it too, Lena? Me too. Is it Lena or Lena? Lena. I don't know. I say Lena. I'm gonna say Lena. What, just for you fun. You tell us, girl. Yeah. Why don't you just get a hold of us? Because <laughs> you're amazing. Yeah. You're. You are amazing. I love how um, actress, writer, producer, and she is just so open Mm -hmm. and that is what I find Mm -hmm. so incredible and that's why I brought you on my show I think that you are just this beautiful light you you have this incredible energy that you carry around like the moment that I met you (laughs) I was like she is an incredible female like or or just soul like you are just a beautiful soul so same same girl Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Um, Subscribe. Bye. Subscribe. Bye. Thanks for listening to episode two of Fave Babes Podcast. Thanks to our guest, Aaron Durham, for driving down the mountain and talking to us for an hour. And thank you to our production team, The Big White House. Come back next week for episode three.